0: How's it going, everybody? Glad you're joining us again for the Beyond the Swing podcast. Uh, I've got a really, really great Canadian coach guest today, Wayne Elderton. We've uh, we've had a ton of exchanges. We've actually never actually had a chance to speak on the phone, so I'm I'm glad we're able to to finally do this and uh, and share some of Wayne's knowledge here. Um, you know, Wayne's been kind of an indirect mentor of mine. He probably doesn't know it, but I've read uh, almost everything that he's put out. Um, He's also got a lot of cool videos on on his YouTube channel. For those who haven't heard of Wayne, he's uh, a Tennis Canada certified level four coach. He's involved in Tennis Canada's coach education program. He's a USPTA elite professional. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm reading through his site here. I mean, the, the list just keeps going and going. He's <laughs> he's uh, he's had numerous national champions from from juniors to wheelchair tennis. I mean, y- y- you name it, he's he's kind of done it in the tennis world. So, Wayne, welcome. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, how how are things going? You're in you're in North Vancouver, correct? Yep, and yeah, th- thanks, Matt. It's an honor to be
1: on your your podcast and to be uh, one of the first first guests that you have. So that's that's kind of fun. And uh, yeah, we're in North Vancouver. I'm just looking out my window. It's uh, it's oddly raining. You know, it never rains in Vancouver. I don't know why uh, <laughs> it's raining right now, but uh, yeah, it's 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 great that I can get on. We can do this.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you're currently in. Um North Vancouver working primarily is it with juniors that you work with or is it is it a whole host of uh, tennis folks yeah
1: so uh, I'm the tennis director at a, a municipally run public tennis facility uh, so we have uh, nine indoor courts and we run programs at uh, all ages and levels um, we're about the full spectrum of you know Right from the six-year-olds to ninety-six-year-olds, uh, we we have programs at uh, every level. Our, our adult recreational program is actually bigger than our junior program. There's actually more more people in it, uh, and uh, as I said, all all the different levels as well. So we actually try to be um, try to be that that full full package, full spectrum
0: facility. Very cool, and. We were talking kind of beforehand you're saying that you're actually turning down kids and and people you, you guys just can't manage it it's just can you can you talk a little bit yeah about it's what, what well uh,
1: being being publicly accessible and not having to, uh, you know a- anyone can come and get into the programs uh you don't have to fork out the big bucks to be a member of a, an elite private club kind of idea so so it makes it makes it so they're really accessible our prices are are very reasonable uh and so that just uh is a lot of incentive for people to get into the game. Uh and um yeah, with COVID and tennis being you know, a safe sport, it's become more popular. So there's a mini tennis boom going on as far as we can see. Uh and yeah, we're you know, you're just limited by court space. Uh we we do have the nine indoor courts. Uh, but they're, they're packed morning, noon and night um, with all the different programs and yeah it's it's, uh, it's not, not good I feel bad that we're actually there's you know, literally hundreds of kids uh, over the year that we have to just say I'm sorry there's just no room. Uh, Where we're at capacity full is full is my unsolvable problem, everyone goes oh that's a good problem to have it's like well yeah until you you'd have to deal with it, <laughs> but it's not that fun. Uh, I guess better, better than not being, but yeah, it's, it's very, very popular and, and working really well. And we, and we deliver, a, you know, all our coaching staff delivers a very quality product. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, recreational tennis means that somehow it's poor quality coaching. So all those things combined makes it uh, way oversubscribed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I mean, that's kind of what we have to deal with in Canada, you know, indoor court time is, is not, is not inexpensive. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we do our best, you know, in Montreal where, where I am, it's, it's a similar story, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's tough to get courts. The national tennis center is, is, is booked, you know, day and night, seven yep. days a week. So, but, uh, positive in the way that tennis is is growing in the country and people want to get out there so that's that's all good right Mm -hmm. and hopefully we can build some more facilities absolutely so for those that don't kind of know your kind of coaching background coaching methodology um, can I mean let's get into it a little bit here how does your your how do your methods kind of differ from from what we typically see or what tennis is traditionally thought of? So um, I I was mentored
1: by a top international coach, Louis Cahier, uh, and he was the, the initiator of uh, of our Canadian coaching methodology. Um, it was very radical way, way back when he actually started in 1988. Um, so that's when we kind of shifted and it's, and it's been evolving uh, ever since then. And, and the main, <clears throat> the main premise is, and what, what he taught me is basically coaching tennis as an open skill uh, would be the, the sentence. Now, uh, when you try to look up what an open skill is, is it, it's a, it's a skill that has to, you have to see what's going on and then make decisions and then apply uh, your, your, executed technique, um, which is different from a closed skill sport, like say, for example, gymnastics or diving, um, those are closed skill sports, and basically, the whole idea in those sports is, if you do the moves right, you get the, you get the points, it's, a, it's about doing the technique correctly, um, whereas any game sport, uh, the technique is always simply uh, in function of the tactic, in, in function of what the situation is. Uh, it doesn't matter what a nice swing I have, but if I if I don't time it at the right time, if I'm not picking the right time to do it, uh, then it's not going to work as, uh, at all. So what I learned from Louis was, if, if we view tennis that way, it's an open skill, then it completely changes the way that we approach coaching. We have to coach it differently. So for whatever reasons, um, all the coaching methodology for tennis over the years was closed skill methodology, and you still see that it's it's very um, all over the place, uh, especially online. You see that today that uh, you're you're treating tennis as a closed skill. You're treating it like it's the 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 I, the perfect ideal swing is the way that that you're supposed to do things. And with tennis as an open skill, again, all that decision making part is there and. The, the, I, I would say the main technical um, priority is adaptation. L- like you you have to adapt. It's it's not a robotic m- you know, movement that you repeat over and over again because the ball won't agree with that repetition. Uh, so for example, you know I remember doing a coaching conference and a, and a person came up and said, well, okay, well, you tell me in your methodology, you know, what's, what's the right forehand? And I go, I don't know. And he goes, see, I, I could tell you what the right forehand is. And he went through, you know, basically a modern model of, of, you know, here's the, this is the preparation, you know, here's the semi-Western grip and a semi-opensend. And he went through the whole thing. It's like, I go, well, that, that looks great. Uh, what if the ball's shorter? Do you do, do you do that? Well, no. What, what if the is wider? No. What if it's deeper? No. What if it's coming faster? No. <laughs> what, what if you're trying to do, you know, hit it different ways, a, a heavy topspin forehand versus a driving down the line passing shot. Do you do it? Do you do it like that? Well, no. And I mean, basically my point was, well, if you're saying this is the proper stroke and now what I've just done is given you numerous exceptions, then why is that the rule? Why do you think that proper stroke is the, the base? Maybe it's not. Maybe you need to ask the question: <laughs> that is there a, is there a more effective way? Uh, and so that's that's what I learned from Louis. Basically, is in all the methodology is wrapped around teaching tennis as an open skill, which is quite radical uh, in how in how it's uh, it's presented and how it's coached.
0: Mm. I have I have multiple questions, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to start with with one here what what would you say if someone just comes into you a young kid maybe or even an adult who hasn't played tennis you know a beginner how do you how do you go about with this kind of methodology to get them started um, in their kind of tennis journey tennis development what do you do yeah. you're not you're not standing there and feeding balls to them are you
1: uh sometimes you would uh, but the the whole idea for the beginners and we actually have quite a, a radical beginner program and I, I was actually on on the an ITF committee selected from coaches from a number of countries to um, initiate like the adult play and stay approach mm-hmm. and it was using you know red, orange and green transition for beginner adults. Um, and so like what you do is like in the past what I would have done is, I would say I was a, a stroke coach. My, my job was to get you to stroke properly and then throw you out and play. Now I, I'm I'm not saying again, ne- never hear in all this when I'm talking about this that I'm saying it's wrong. It it's worked for the last 50 years. Um, the only thing I'm saying is: can you ask the question? But is that the most effective way? Hmm. Like, so I'm not saying doing it, you know, teaching the person doing a proper stroke practice in the beginning is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is there a more effective way? Uh, And having done it both ways, being that stroke coach before uh, and now going, okay, well, if I'm not going to be that, then what happens? Well, number one, tennis becomes very situational. So you're going to play the game. What situations are you going to be in? So for a beginner, one of the first things they need to do is to be able to rally. Now, mm-hmm. teaching someone a neat stroke to to be able to recreate the perfect stroke—if I literally hit their racket with the perfect feed, <laughs> right—that's uh, that's not a rally. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, tennis is a game of reception then projection. So, what I would do with the or what we do do <laughs> with the beginners is. Put them in in a, a, a scaled situation so you change the ball you change the court you make it uh, uh, less of a, of a of a challenge so they can master it a little quicker and then the idea is to get over that hump because once a player can rally the world of tennis opens up to you until you can rally it's it's quite closed and you'll see people you know they go out in the public court and they take out the rackets and boom over the fence all over the place pack up your bags off you go because it's like that's no fun Uh, so that, that getting over that rally hump is the first situation. And then of course you got to be able to serve and put it in, but what, what we're teaching you to do is, is play tennis. Stroking is part of that rather than teaching you to stroke and hope that you're going to go out and then apply it to your play. And that, that would be the difference. And so we would be building the stroke in this situation of you being able to, like I said, receive the ball by being able to, you know, move out to be able to get it. So it's it's a dynamic sport. You know, Mm. your your opponent isn't feeding you the ball and trying to hit your racket. Your opponent is trying to get it away. Even if you're a beginner player playing, your opponent's still trying to to make it that you don't don't hit it very well. So then (laughs) on on purpose or on purpose, yeah, or 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 exactly yeah not not the best shots are usually not not intentional. (laughs) But but the, the idea is yeah that you move out that you have good timing with the ball that you have a little sense of how you can direct it, that you recover after every shot. Cause it's not golf. Like a lot of times uh, what I'll see is coaches teach tennis, like golf, uh, like it's just a sending sport. It's like, like yeah. you're on a driving range or something. It's like, well, yeah. Um, and, and we've had you know, players from different places, different countries come. And like, if you did feed them, like their stroke is so good, mm. but one step away, it's gone. Any kind of adaptation requirement, it's gone. So these players with these great strokes, they can't rally. So that means and if you can't rally, you can't play tennis. (laughs) So that would be the, the difference would be putting you in the situation, scaling things down, using some of the technical principles that you can accomplish these things that you need to do. Uh, and the technique of your stroke then evolves and adapts as the situations you encounter as a player change. Hmm. That was a long answer.
0: <laughs> but a very good one. <laughs> um, OK, so let's let's dig into this kind of receiving portion a little bit. What what do we need to focus on or what do players need to focus on or what do tennis coaches need to kind of uh, you know, instruct their, their pupils in terms of these reception skills, like what's important here? Well, what do they need to focus on to get better at receiving the ball? Because like you're saying, one ball might be high and deep, one might be short, the spins differ, you know, there's all these different factors. So, so how can we improve this ability of receiving?
1: Um, so uh, an open skill goes through a, a, a general four-step process of perception. In other words, uh, I have to be able to start to read what's going on. Like, I, I need to be aware that the ball is higher or lower. Or, uh, so, so right away, uh, you know, even in the rally, I'm starting to to learn how to track the ball. Uh, then I have to ha- make decisions. And so decision-making is talked about a lot in coaching. But, you know, rare have I seen the coaches that actually truly incorporated into everything they're doing at every level, but, but it's critical. So like even a beginner, uh, y- you'll know if you take a beginner kid, one of the first and most important decisions is, is it a forehand or is it a backhand? Hmm. And they get caught because they, <clears throat> they don't they don't read that quickly. And so like, for example, that would be one of the first decisions to try to figure out so that you have to read the ball, see that it's coming to this side then you're going to go ahead and do these things. And and a lot of times uh, coaches that perception and the decision-making part because they have been usually pretty good players. Um, And it's so intrinsic and natural for them. They oftentimes can't put themselves into that mindset of, but what if I had no clue how to do any of it? Uh, Or what if I'm actually maybe not even particularly athletic? Uh, And so they get into the details of the neat Again, the neat stroke, uh, and and just taking for granted that somehow all that other stuff happens by itself. But I mean, it does have to happen. Again, even a beginner has to have perception and decision making before they decide and before they execute their their technique. Um, but we got to incorporate that in, and and that's that's how how we do it. And as I said, in a in a situation. So uh, you know, one of the main building blocks uh, that that I would talk about. Um uh, as a coach in this methodology would be uh, what I call the, the shot situation or the shot cycle. Uh, so the building block that most coaches have from again a closed skill methodology are the strokes. And, and we talk about them all the time, the forehand, the backhand, the serve, the volley, that kind of idea. Those are the strokes. The challenge with those as a coach, if those are your building blocks, it, it sucks you into closed skill coaching uh, instead of keeping it open, open skill. Um, so then, if I if I'm replacing strokes with the cycle of a shot, uh, so for example, um, you know what we say in our coaching certification is uh, I'll, I'll you know jokingly say that that all the coaches you, you, we all have a disease, and the disease I call modelitis, and modelitis is that somehow in my head there's the perfect model of the, the forehand, the backhand, the serve, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then my job is to conform somebody to that model. And that's what I call modelitis. And, and as I said, as soon as the ball changes and the situations change, that model has to be adapted, yet you're not equipped uh, as a player who's been coached like that. You're, all your adaptation is like, you've just kind of figured out on your own. You weren't equipped to do that. Um, so... If I, if I use the, that shot cycle that takes me out of that modelitis, because if you, uh, well, the the test is if I say to a coach, the word forehand, and if right away, that picture of whoever, you know, you might have the Nadal, you might have the Federer, if that picture of forehand comes into your head, when I say the forehand, you've got modelitis, it's in there. And the only inoculate, like COVID, the only inoculation, the only vaccine is, again, a, a game-based approach. And so using the shot cycle, for example, if you say the word forehand to me, all it means to me is that a right-hander hit it on the right-hand side and the ball bounced before you hit it. And that's yeah. all it means. That's forehand. Every other detail of, well, what, what type of preparation did you have? Uh, what was the, the rhythm of the racket through the swing? What was the swing shape? right? Like all those pieces are then defined by the needs of the situation in order to be successful. Mm. And so that that's, uh, and again, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say the term game-based approach, that that is one of the pillars of our methodology, although um, it, it often has a lot of baggage. So sometimes I'll, I'll call it the tactics first approach, um, just because game-based has you know, it was new and people didn't do it that well. So then, you know, if a coach coach badly, but then said, I coach game base, everyone go, Oh, that was crap. <laughs> and so, so game base is bad. It's like, no, you threw out the baby with the bathwater. The methodology wasn't the problem. The coach just applied it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so, so there's a lot of baggage, a lot of times uh, with game based approach and and the misconception that it's technique less like, Oh, game-based coaches, they don't care about the technique. Well, I'm sorry then you can't play tennis well if you don't care care about technique. It is it is important because otherwise you're not going to time the ball. It's an impact sport. Things have to be biomechanically effective and efficient and all those pieces all those principles are in place. They're not just not wrapped around a a model. Uh, a one size fits all kind of model. But uh, but I like to say that, you know, a game-based approach is actually an alternative way of coaching technique.
0: Yeah. It's not well, I, think, uh, I, I think a lot of coaches you know because well, i've coached actually in the uk as well um where game-based has kind of been a little bit more um popular in, in recent years in mm-hmm. canada as well but a lot of coaches they say okay yeah we're doing game-based it's not working but really what they're just doing is setting up a, a game yep. <laughs> Yeah. yeah <laughs> and and not really coaching right no. they yeah. It's just okay, we're gonna do this, you know, feed to the backhand and then play. Right. Which could be a could be a relevant game at a certain time, but yeah, there needs to be coaching involved in it, right? So it's not just yeah. like let the kids go and play. No. Um there need to be cues or commands yeah. as you call it, or different things like that. So um can you can you elaborate like how would you let's say take us through like a player is having issues. You know, just a typical one, maybe receiving high balls to the backhand. Right. You know, what would you do in that case?
1: Well, I mean, I actually like what you just said. So the the first the first thing is, can you at least watch them play, mm-hmm. so so you know what the issues actually are instead of just again right away, before you've ever seen them do anything put them in their position and, like I said, hit, hit, the, hit their racket with the ball and get yeah. them to swing, swing the perfect form. It's like, no, no, watch them play. And they're horrible a lot of times <laughs> at the beginning, especially. Like, watch them play. And I like what you said. Then you see what the issues are. So one of the possible issues, as you just said, is, well, I noticed that when you're rallying, like, you were you're having a hard time when the ball was higher. Um, so let's let's look at some options. Uh, so uh, some options could be that, okay, as soon as you, number one, I have to start to recognize. So you can you can do drills to help people kind of recognize, oh, is it high? Is it low? Is it medium? Like, wh- where is it? So they're starting to track the ball better um, rather than, I mean, most beginners, it, it's like they're in a little bubble uh, and the ball, they see the ball, but it's, it's like it's in a fog outside of my bubble and they wait for it to come into your bubble. Oh, and then all of a sudden they try to do everything that they need to do. Instead of no, 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 you know, you can actually learn that it, you can not have the ball in a fog, you can actually see it earlier. So then it would be seeing that that's the first thing. And then we can decide, okay, look, the the ball's gonna, you know, it's going to come down, and it's going to be at the right level, if you want to have a, you know, easier waist level impact, for example, uh, you're either going to get it on the way up, or you're going to let it peak, and you're going to get it on the way down. Those are the only two points that it's at that level. So we're going to decide which which one are you going to do? Obviously, it takes a little more timing to do the ball on the rise part. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe the first one would be, okay, let, let's have an easier version. You see it higher. You're going to back a little bit, let the ball come into your hitting zone. Uh, and then it's like, yeah, what, you know, what, what is the footwork that I need to get there? What is the body work that I need to generate the, the response that's necessary? What's the racket work that I need? So, I mean, those three elements, your footwork, your body work, your racket work, that, that would be the, the technical principles that you'd say, okay, but they, they're dictated by the situation. So I want to receive this ball and then I want to, oh, I want to send it maybe a nice cross court back that you aren't going to get a chance to attack me because you literally put me in a bad position. If I cough up a really crummy ball, then the opponent has, is going to have the advantage. So I'm going to have my situation, which causes a problem that we're going to solve. And then we're going to, to work on a response. You're going to have to decide which response I want to do. And then I'm going to help you with the, the technique of the footwork, the technique of the body work, the technique of the racket work in order to, to get that. Um, now, of course, you don't dump all that on a big truckload onto them and overwhelm them with, with every technical detail. But uh, again, as they're doing it, you're just going you know, to tweak things. Oh, hey, when you hit the ball, it's kind of going into the net. Uh, let's just swing low to high a little bit more and, mm-hmm. and get that ball over that. Great. This is good. Like you'll be able to, to do it. So that, it, would, it would be, as you said, you're mm-hmm. identifying situations that are causing problems because in in my view like tennis that that's one of its key essential natures it's a it's a problem solving process th- that that's what it's about when you're playing a game it's always about problem solving uh whether you're playing chess or whether you're playing tennis games have problem solving in it so I, i'm going to identify the problem and then I, we're going to work on a solution to respond
0: yeah. yeah uh yeah i i really like that and i and it's, it's funny because this, this whole receiving concept, you know, I work with primarily older players who have played 10 plus years already, and we still work on these things. You know, they're just, they're fundamentals, right? Yep. Just yes. Now the ball is coming at a faster pace or with more spin or with more depth or further away, but you still have to practice this receiving. Yeah. Uh, and then making the, the tactical decisions. I really liked how you said, Either we're going to move back or we're going to move up. These are the two ways that we can still make contact around waist height, which is the best kind of, you know, between waist and shoulder height is, is the easiest way yeah. for us to execute a good strike. Um, so I, that, that's it's, it's at every level. So just for, for listeners at every level, this needs to be kind of uh, revisited, right? Because it's, it's still happening um at the pro level this is what players are doing and they're adapting their strokes depending on these different types of scenarios and situations as you you call them um but you are saying that that technique has a place and technique coaching or technique training has has a place right like we still have to even if i put my physical hat on for a second biomechanically speaking we want the stroke to be a certain way so that from an injury perspective um we're not you know compensating and using too much of certain yeah. structures and muscles and and things yeah. like that so uh, how do you blend this 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 approach this approach with the technical side
1: yeah well as as we mentioned it's like okay what what are your technical principles so for for coaches if if your technical principles are the model of the of the ideal stroke, then you're quite handicapped to help people in those in situations because mm-hmm. the situation may be that you know when when I do that particular model stroke, it actually doesn't it doesn't work. It's not the right thing to do. So you know, for example, every coach, no matter how deeply entrenched in modelitis they are, knows that the return of serve, which is a form of a ground stroke, obviously needs to be adapted.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: And they, and they talk about, you know, you know, com, more compact swing and, you know, what all those pieces that, so intrinsically, they know that when things change, we have to adapt. Uh, so yeah. then it's just having that right from the beginning is, is, is going okay. But then, you know, what is that situation? Oh, the ball's coming faster. What do I have to do for that situation? Uh, and and that's, that's the thought process. So, what's the situation and the problem? Then, what do I have to do to respond to that problem? That's a different form of, of thinking. Because when you're in modelitis closed skill methodology, and here's what most coaches do you're in front of me, and I watch you do your strokes, could be in a warm up or could be when I'm feeding. And I go, I don't like how it looks, it's, it, mm-hmm. the form is off. And to me, form is not synonymous with technique, Mm. (laughs) Okay, Mm. So the form is off. So then I just fix your form. Mm. And I'm going to, you know, send you balls and I'm going to fix your form. Instead Mm. of going, but what was the situation? And then what are the technical principles that need to be applied in order to successfully respond to that situation? Um, So, you know, for example, in our coaching education, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll pick on. Uh, all the time because it's like the universal biggest thing for every coach is the follow-through. So you'll see coaches harp forever. Oh, you know, point your elbow or whatever. They're, you know, have this finish point for your follow-through. And I mean, to me, it's just like, do you actually watch tennis? (laughs) Do you actually see what they do? Uh, Because you will see follow-throughs and follow-throughs and like you'll see all sorts of different because a follow-through does not affect the ball but i've i've heard coaches say you know follow through for more power follow through for more depth follow through for more topspin follow through for the more direct it's like and a a follow-through does the ball is gone Hmm. whatever you do after is irrelevant now I'm not saying don't have a follow through because that affects what's happening through the impact.
0: No.
1: I can't just have a perfect impact and then I'm just going to put on the brakes. Like I'm going to let it go to its natural conclusion whenever that is. But a follow through is just the byproduct of the path and the angle and the speed of the racket through the impact that it's supposed to have. That's the physics that controls the ball. And wherever no. it goes, it goes. Um, But like I said, if, if you got that modelitis, I look at you and I go, oh, I don't like your follow through. So then I fix it. Well, coach, give me one situation. Like, do you honestly think that person was losing because they didn't point their elbow? Hmm. Like if you, if you really think that was their biggest issue that they were unsuccessful, I I would say you need to watch their, their play a little bit more um, because that is not the issue of why they're losing. Uh, they're losing because again, they're not handling the situations that are occurring. And again, looking perfect on the follow through is not going to fix and give you responses to all those problems you're going to get into.
0: Hmm. Exactly. And for the listeners, because you, you didn't see what Wayne was doing there, but he was showing us the, the different types of follow throughs that could occur. So players could follow through, you know, at your hip at your shoulder behind your head you know the 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 rafa forehand um which you see those you see these finishes so much you know i've traveled a fair bit with tour players and when you watch matches i mean every point a player is adapting their 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 swing you know well, and
1: let me, let me just make one one comment there because that that's yeah. that's the big that, that's a big big issue so if, if tennis is an impact sport, then, Hmm. you know, the most important technical principle, again, the model isn't the principles that's, that's the problem is, is wrapping your principles around the model, keep them independent of the model. But the main technical principle in the impact sport of tennis is, for example, timing. Hmm. Timing is like the number one technical principle that needs to be mastered in order to be successful in tennis. And so, so
0: what is timing, Wayne?
1: Well, t- timing is basically centering the impact in uh, an ideal relationship to your body. Um, again, based on the the stroke you're intending to hit, so that would be my definition of timing. So you're you're centering the ball, but in an ideal relationship to your body. So you know you know when you're swinging if you're too jammed there's less efficiency with your body if you're stretching out that's no good if it's too late too early too high too low that's the relationship to your body but it's always for the shot you intend to hit mm. um and so the the tactic always has to be in there but i mean timing is would be the most important principle so you know those principles would be the things that you would be trying to apply uh, as opposed to again Looking at that that model uh, and and making and just making you look more like the model. Hmm. But uh, sorry, I think there's part of the question that I didn't answer. So what, what was that part again?
0: I don't quite recall, but I do. Oh, I see.
1: We 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 move it on. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's just flowing. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. I mean, oh, so because we always see. See players at every level, including the pros. Oh,
1: sorry, sorry, sorry. That that was it. Uh, pro pros yeah. will will sacrifice their stroke mm-hmm. for the for the timing.
0: Mm.
1: Otherwise, you're not successful. Recreational players, based on their misconceptions or what coaches do, will will sacrifice their timing to make the ideal stroke. Yeah. And and that that that's the big distinction. That's the one I forgot that I okay. needed to mention. Yeah
0: so why are pros and and even juniors good players why do they still hit a lot of balls let's say up the middle of the court i mean from my perspective it's they are working on timing in a way they can work on i mean there's things we can work on Mm -hmm. um, not just blindly kind of hitting balls um is there value to that and or or and if there is because you probably will say there is but if there is value in it is it is it overdone
1: yeah well i i would say so i mean so i mean part of the issue is again uh coaching tennis again with that model bit uh, and then it becomes all about a technical venture only about a technical venture rather than it's tactical like you're playing a game so so mm-hmm. where are the tactics so uh, that's the first thing. Like you know, if I if I go out to a tournament and I'm I'm watching players play, the first question I ask myself is, are they playing tennis? In other words, can I uh, definitely see some tactical intentions going on, or are they just hitting balls? Yeah. Are they playing the game, or are they just hitting balls? And a lot of times, because you know it's all about the technique, it becomes only about the technique in their mind. So all they do is react and hit the ball, and they're a victim to whatever the ball allows them to do, but th- there's very, very vague tactical intention, but they're not particularly playing so you know the the, the first piece is is what I, I, you know I would say that yeah uh, if you're if you're taught, you should learn to play the game, uh, and your technique is only a way to play the game, but you know why aren't you playing? Uh, all you're doing is you know putting it back, and uh, we know with all the research of you know um, what was it, Ericsson, and, you know, 10,000 hours and all that bit. It's like deliberate practice is what gets you better. And in tennis, there is just an inordinate amount of non-deliberate purposeless hitting mm-hmm. um, that that's going on. Uh, and so, you know, does it take a, lots of repetition to develop a skill? Like absolutely no question. Um, but, you know, if we ask that question again, you know, is this the best way to do it? Um, you know, if you hit a million balls, could you have gotten the same thing with two hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> that were deliberate instead of I just mindlessly you know bash the ball all over the place? So they're not playing, and the practice isn't deliberate. So to me, it leads to yeah. That then you'll see that yeah, they're just you know hitting right back to the person. There's there's sort of no the tactical intention isn't there the other piece of the puzzle is, is, I mean, tennis is a really evil game on all, <laughs> in all sorts of ways. It's just really evil. I mean, it's evil because you know, it's all about mistakes and, and it's all you, you're not on a team. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's very, it's like golf, but with someone trying to beat you at the same time. So yeah. it's, it's got, you know, there's personal frustration when it's not doing what you want. Um, so it it is evil in a lot of ways, but, There's two messages that happen when a junior is developing. I mean, number one is, yeah, you should direct the ball, like, you know, for example, a simple tactic, you know, make the guy move around, like direct the ball away from them. Um, But before that, there's a message, which is also a good message is you should never miss because the majority of shots, you know, in tennis that the the majority of points that I lose are because of I I miss, not because my opponent hit great shots the majority of of points that I got because they missed, not because I hit great shots. So I've got this really unholy balance that I'm trying to achieve of, well, I'm not supposed to miss. So that kind of leads to, uh, well, then I'm just gonna hit safer in a way. I'm gonna hit right down the middle. I'm gonna hit to the person. I'm not gonna try to go and and direct them, but that can come back and kind of bite you by, mm. by being like, like consistency is a, is a critical tactic, but not the only one. Mm. Um, because if I, if I do shots that encourage you to miss, not risk, not risking, not trying to paint the lines, but if I ensure, encourage you to risk with, uh, with risk more with some shots, you know, that you're going to make more mistakes. So th- that plays in, uh, I'd say those are the three factors, you know, the non-deliberate practice is the big one. The not understanding tactics is the big one. And then, the em- the emphasis of consistency like too much uh, and then if you don't have decision making that's being nuanced and trained all the way up uh you know you kind of get the all or nothing you know either they're either they're slamming the ball harder for the lines or they're pushing it, it with a little balloon ball uh in the middle and there doesn't seem to be much in between
0: mm. so have you seen players develop over the years using this kind of approach and they're in their technique kind of forming around the different, different, uh, tactical based methods of yours, or, um, do you still take, you know, a basket of balls and and say, okay, well, one of the tactics we need to improve on is your ability to hit a powerful drive forehand. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you know, you do need to, you know, get your elbow in this position or, or whatever. Or yeah. are there ways that you do it that you don't have yeah. to directly say those, those things?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, what, once you've figured out what the tactic is you want to do, um, then in order to make that motor pattern, uh, it's going to take a bunch of repetition. And so that's the other misconception that somehow a game based if you're a game based coach, you'd never take out a basket and, and mm. feed. It's like, yeah, you, you use every type of feeding, you use Spanish hand feeding, uh, you, you, you <laughs> take out your basket and do racket feed, you do whatever feed uh, is going to help them to get the repetition they need for that specific situation. Because yeah, maybe, you know, they're, they're they're not generating a long enough, you know, hitting zone with their racket going towards the target. So, so their racket is unsafe. So, uh, you know, I need to get the feel for that. Uh, kinesthetically. So right. I, I need to to get them a, a bunch of repetition in a short time. Uh, and what I can do is then, you know, take away the other distractions. And I could ease up the reception uh, part by saying, yeah, I am going to, we're going to say, you've already made your move. You're already in that situation. Okay. Now I'm going to give you the ball right there. Now let's get the feel for what you need to do with the shot. So I take out my basket and I go ahead and I I do a bunch of feeding for that. And that that's, Fine in a game approach once you've defined the situation and you need repetition actually then the question becomes how can i maximize the quality repetition Um, so a lot of times for example if i stay live ball which means the two players like for example a cooperative live ball they're hitting back and forth with each other that's very realistic um, but maybe there's too much adaptation and so you're not getting the ball that's a little lower that you're having difficulty. When the ball's a little lower, you know, like say your opponent is slicing you in the rally and and you're not really adapting to that and lifting it back up over the net. So let's focus in on that. But if, if you're just in a live ball rally, maybe you're, you're going to get that every, you know, whatever, whatever the frequency, every fifth shot, every 10th shot, whatever. And so I might go, no, no, you know what, that's, that's not going to get us where we need to get to. So I need to, close the situation, maximize the repetition to try to build that motor pattern and then integrate it back out again uh, into the full realistic situation.
0: Mm. I think this is, this is kind of the, uh, the whole, whole part, whole kind of way of, of coaching as well, right? You first mm-hmm. you see how players are playing in the real kind of environment, and then we can kind of take them out for, for a minute See if this tool that you're using, whether that's hand feeding basket feeding has has had a positive effect and a transfer and, and we bring it back to, to the real situation again. Uh, and that's the
1: important word transfer Yeah, because <laughs> that's what you're looking for, so if I stay basket feeding I start basket feeding I end basket feeding. Uh, then there's a huge gap uh, in the transfer. Because mm. th- then all the other elements, as soon as as soon as it starts to become live and the opponent's starting to do different things, you're, you're not going to be able to hold on to that motor pattern. You're not going to be able to recall the solution that you had for that pro- problem because um, it's just not ingrained enough. So yeah. that that's the key is that yeah any any skill that you work on as a coach needs to be able to transfer to live play. And how many coaches throughout you know the 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 decades uh, have that, well, they're so good in practice, but you know they don't play well in terms. Well, what that means is, coach, we're failing in the transfer. Hmm. So you got it. You got it going in the practice. Good job, way to go. That took a lot. But somehow you're not bridging that that gap and not making the transfer. and And to answer your question about players, I mean, you you kind of have to know the history of the player to kind of figure it out. But for example, you know, who I really used to love was uh, Justine Hennan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I really loved about her was she was one handed, which always looks really, really nice. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, she was a little smaller and she was beating Serena in her prime. And Serena is just, uh, just a big, big ball hitter. Right. right. Uh, and but she was beating her. And again, why? With variety, with tactics, not because she wasn't going to overpower her. Right. And and Justine came up through red, orange, and green, which like having those scaled courts and scaled balls allows you to do all these different things. Whereas if you're a little kid and you rush through the balls and you're on, you know, a too big court too quickly with with the, you know, a yellow ball right away um all it you know it's it's going to affect your tactics and your technique in order for you to survive the scale of the game which isn't correct for you um and so i really liked her and i know that she did come up um through that because it, it was big in europe at the time for sure uh and even like you know bianca i know was in you know uh, I'm not i think orange orange ball uh and for sure green ball and same with felix i mean they came through red yeah. orange and green stuff uh as, as well um and just again uh that's a really excellent tool to gain that tactical understanding of the game uh in a scale that is workable
0: for you yeah emma raducano i believe she was she had gone through that as well yeah I think- some some videos of her had, had have resurfaced yeah. after she had won US Open and they were playing. I think, I think it was green, maybe yeah, green yeah. Pod, orange. Um, so yeah, I think you're just developing, you know, I think there was actually a study. Um, I think it was by Tennis Australia folks that looked at sort of this scaling versus non-scaling, and they had found that. Well, actually there it's promoting more of a pro type of yeah. way of playing tennis, right? Yeah. Players are able to attack more. There were more on four stairs, which is kind of normal, which yes. yeah. is kind of a good thing because they're trying to be, you know, more aggressive versus if um they're just playing to to kind of get balls back in the court, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And and like, you know, if, if you're uh, an eight-year-old on an orange court you know, if you, if you get good at that, that that is the exact scale of when you're going to be 18. In other words, probably when you're on that orange court, you're going to look more like you would with the tactics. And, and if you're getting good at it with the technique, you're going to look more like you're going to look at 18 more than when you get to that green ball. And then, it you know, the court is still a little bit maybe too big for you or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, like having that experience instead of trying to to again um, adjust your tactics and your techniques just to survive the 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 mm-hmm. ball in the court isn't yeah. really a good long-term process.
0: Yeah. Well we we have uh, you probably are, are are kind of getting on court here soon teaching. Yep. So <laughs> last couple of quick I do questions. that once in a while, yep. Last <laughs> yeah. we'll couple of quick questions for you. What are the the different just give us a general overview. What are the 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 situations that are involved in tennis. What situations can we be in? Uh,
1: so uh, a, a while ago, the ITF, for example, came came out with uh, game game situations. So the five game situations. So when serving, when returning, both back, approaching, and at net, and passing. And mm-hmm. so th- those are pretty good categories of general situations. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then say I'm in a both back situation, then, uh, then there's articles on my site, which is ace, acecoach.com uh, and they're free uh, and you can look up, you know, the shot cycle, the shot situation at that point, then it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, 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 the basic definition of a situation is where are you and, and where's your opponent? So that, mm-hmm. that relative relationship between you and opponent and then what kind of ball are you getting? And yeah. that's the situation here, so where where are you, what kind of ball you got? Uh, and you, you know you start to once you've trained your players, instead of them going, "Oh, like you know my elbow is in the wrong place," or you know stuff like that," uh, they start to talk about, "Oh yeah, uh, my opponent was over there. I was over here. he sent me a ball like this. I'm having trouble with this. you know what can I, what can I do?" And that's what you're seeing when you're watching. Um, and so that that would be the situation, and then the response is you know, is it offense, neutral, defense, you know, did you use your, did you use your forehand or backhand? The definition of the stroke then fit, kind of slots into there. Um, and, and that would be, you know, building the response would be all the, you know, the technical mm-hmm. elements with the tactical intention of, oh, I want to move them around or or whatever. So it's like the five game situations. And then it focuses down into, okay, what's the situation in that shot in that point. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and last one here. Um, recently, Louis Kaye actually he had he had mentioned that um, that a lot of coaches are kind of misinterpreting the stats these days. You know, there's a big hype around zero to four being kind of you know average rally lengths or four shots or or whatnot. Um, he was actually saying that you know in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, that rally lengths were like around between the 1.5 to two shots. So they were, they've actually gotten longer hmm. um, and, and and that now a lot of coaches are maybe focusing too much on, um, you know, serve plus one or return plus one. Uh, obviously, all, all the different situations need to be trained. Players need a good player. If you're a good player, you need to be able to play in every situation. Those are the kind of fundamentals. But how do you see the game evolving and where do you see um, – you know these situations playing out. Our rally lengths getting longer. Do we need to train that a little bit more? What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I, I liked the the we, we call it the golden four, you know, the first four shots because um, I think it was a correction because mm-hmm. the, pen, the pendulum had switched over to yeah you know we're, much we're yeah we're doing 500 ball rallies. It's like it's so mm-hmm. unrealistic you know, is, is there a place for overloading the amount of rallies that you have? Yeah. It's kind of like, to me, it's like a muscle, like, you know, why do I lift more weight than n- normal? Well, so when I have to, to lift the weight that I'm supposed to be lifting or do the move I'm supposed to, be, I, I have the strength to do it. So, I mean, I think there is a place for, you know, uh, rallying for a minute, for example, we, we use that as a, as one of the, the measurements is what's your minute rally time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that kind of helps your tempo, but that's longer than, longer than any rally getting a match, but it's just, it's just a form of overload training. But I, I thought it was good. Cause it was, uh, it was a correction. And of course, like any pendulum, you know, does it swing too far the other way? Where is, you know, your, your player can't like literally breaks down after five shots because it's like, Whoa, i you know, I only do four and it keeps, <laughs> it keeps going. So, so I, I mean, I, it, it's always as usual, you know, a, a good balance, like for sure, you, you know, you, You shouldn't be missing on the first four right away like that's where a lot of the the mistakes are but also a lot of that is because again what i liked as the correction is you know how under trained serves and returns are Uh, i mean serves i mean for most coaches it's like yeah it's it's that you know 10 minutes at the end of a session and i'm serving it's like how can you have that as training when every point be you know begins (laughs) with that serve when when you're serving like so you gotta it's got to be a lot more integrated so that part i like and then and then i I liked the the four balls as a correction because so often yeah i mean yeah you train the serve but it was it was disconnected so there was no recovery and what's the next shot uh so it was hard for a player to dictate even without a good serve they would serve and it's, you know, they wait around and sort of see what's happening <laughs> instead of, no, no, I can actually like, you know, serve. And the next shot is, is kind of part of my package. It's like a one, two punch. Yep. Uh, and then, and then especially like, oh my gosh, if you know, I, if I had a, a, a dollar for every, every session that coaches did and never did return, I'd definitely be a bazillionaire because the return <laughs> is literally just never touched. Yeah, uh, by most coaches. So th- that part was was good, too. So I mean, I still like the the emphasis on the first four, um, but then also have some of that overload training as a balance to ensure that if the rally is going on, you do have some tactics and techniques of you know riding the waves of the rally of of shading your shots, uh, you know, going a little more aggressive, a little less aggressive as the rally moves on. Uh, and keeping those tactical intentions. Uh, I mean, to me, that balance is is, is the best. And uh, when you're saying, you know, predicting about how the game's gonna evolve, well, if I could do that, it'd be a lot more richer than I was. <laughs> 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 I am. Uh, but uh, I mean, to me, it's it's empowering people for the adaptations they need in the situations that they're gonna encounter. And if I'm doing that, I'm on the cutting edge of always having a player who can problem solve, who can make decisions, who can adapt. And that player is going to become, you know, good if they can do that. Cause th- that, that's what pros do. Like, you know, the ones that are most successful have figured out how to do those things. They, they've been able to adapt. They've been able to solve problems. They, they are good at their decision-making. I mean, the, you know, whether it's in spite of their coaching or because of it, uh, obviously if you're thrown out there and you play, that's what happens. But again, what a modelitis coach does, they're, they're always going to be behind the curve because what they do is they look at the solutions the pro have. So like the, you know, the Nadal, uh, lasso, you know, follow through or whatever they, they look at what the, what the pros are doing to solve the problems. Then they go, oh, let's make a model out of that reverse engineer it and now teach it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, except if you do that, you're always not ahead of the evolutionary curve of the shot. You're always teaching solutions to past stuff. Whereas, okay, well, you know, where does technique come from is the question. And it's like no coach in the history of tennis, in my view, has ever invented technique. They don't, they don't invent technique. Players invent technique. Why? Because you get a great athlete who solves the problem, put in a difficult situation, and then you start to see how they solve the problems. You go, wow, what a great solution. Like nobody taught them that necessarily, right? They they just solve the problem and and then if you know if I if I want those players to evolve the game, uh, yeah, if they have if they're good at adaptation, if they're if they're you know playing tennis as an open skill, if they do all that stuff. They will come up with these things, and yeah. and that that's I'd rather be in that place rather than again re- reverse engineering, you know, past technical solutions all the time.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a, it's deep. <laughs> it's a deep, deep and interesting <laughs> take on, on it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we need to let players also showcase what they can do a little bit more as coaches. Yep. And, yeah. Um. And as for the, the, you know, zero to four, I, we, we do a lot of serve plus one return plus one. Yep. I like it. What I don't like is when players think that, Oh, because points are short that I have to end, yeah, end point, it right away End the yeah. point right away and that's yeah that's where coaching has to come in because you need to respect if a returner has has done well to neutralize the point well okay now you have to play yep so um so that's where sometimes I see players making a lot of early mistakes in rallies you know yep. um but anyway Wayne that was terrific uh where where can people find out a little bit more about you? Um, where Where can they sign up for your newsletter?
1: Yeah, so uh, as as I mentioned, the, my website is acecoach.com. dot com, and uh, it, it has you know, dozens and dozens of of free articles. They're all one hundred percent on this methodology. So if you just sort of read the the landing the first landing page, it shows you the four pillars of, of our coaching methodology. And then all the articles are just sort of uh, arranged under those pillars. And uh, yeah, the, the, and there's a connection to the YouTube channel. <laughs> a lot of the videos are pretty old because I've done this for for a while. Um, so, but uh, I'm not a technical whiz. So like, you know, I, I apologize for the quality, but the content should be okay. Uh, so there's a YouTube <laughs> the channel with- <laughs> with a, a bunch of videos a, as well. So, yeah, I, I just uh, commend people coaches especially to to go and just just take a look, soak at it, uh read whatever looks interesting to you and and uh then, you know, go out and experiment a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. try try some stuff, try it. Maybe coach a little differently. Say, say to yourself, am I coaching tennis as an open skill? Uh and uh you know, yes or no and then how could I how could I do that more?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to do that <laughs> a little bit more um, than I have. Um, Wayne, thanks again. I really appreciate this. This Thank was, you. Uh, was fun and uh, hopefully we can do it again.
1: Great. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem.